God. Turn to the book of Lamentations. We're going to start there. We're going to go from Lamentations. When I say these things kind of dovetail together, I'd already picked out Nehemiah as part of the scripture that we were going to look at this morning too. And they kind of go together. I'm not going to go through back the history that was going along, but uh, just just a little bit here. Um, the children of Israel, they've been called the children are, are God's chosen people, okay? Because he has chosen to, to uh, bring about a great deal of the world's history through the children of Israel. And of course, to bring through the Messiah, the Savior of the world, through the children of Israel. Um, and we know that as we study uh, the Bible, and especially the first few books of the Bible, and we begin to see how God has uh, uh, taken mankind, and we see that the children of Israel, they are not perfect people. We would think that God's people would be perfect people, but they're not, they were, they're not perfect people. They weren't perfect people back then. And as a matter of fact, they started having problems when they were taken out of Egypt. They didn't get very far before they started having problems following God, trusting God. Um, he delivers them after, after 400 and uh, uh, some odd years as being in slavery. He delivers them with a mighty hand and uh, they start complaining. Uh, the first complaint they have is God leads them out and leads them to the Red Sea, and there they are. And instead of just trusting God, this is, you brought us out to kill us. What's all this? You brought us out to kill us. And then God, through Moses, uh, led them across the Red Sea on what kind of land? Dry, dry land. Overnight, it became dry land. Now, we think about it, it wasn't just a, a little trickle pathway that they went through. We're talking about three million people plus their cattle, okay, and their possessions walking across in one time, in one day, walking across on dry land. It was quite an event. And so it was miraculous. But it wasn't long before they started complaining about something else. They were complaining, oh, it's hot out in this desert and we don't have any food. What are we going to do? God, did you bring us out here to kill us all? Poor us all. Instead of trusting God. And God said, I would take care of you. And what did he do? Well, he brought the quail in. He brought manna in so that they had bread and meat every day. They didn't have to do anything. Just get up in the morning. The, the bread was there on the ground. They gathered it up. In the evening, the quails came in. They got, just gathered it up. When they did, ran out of water, oh, God, what are we going to do? He brought us out here to die of thirst. And what did he do? He told Moses to go to a, a rock and, and uh, smite the rock. And out of that rock, a, a fountain came out. Now, remember, you've got to give over 3 million people water plus cattle, water. So that, was, that wasn't just a little trickle that came out of that. That was huge. And God took for them. And over and over and over and over again, we find that the children of Israel would go back and begin to question God's ability to take care of them. Well, they finally become a nation. They go in the land. We won't go into all the different things that they did, but they finally came to a point in their life where God had delivered them from their enemies. God had given them the land. Um, and it was flowing. But they could not follow the Lord. They had to start following false gods. And as a result, judgment fell. 
They were his people. And he takes care of his people. But judgment fell. And we can see that. And when we get to the book of Lamentations, uh, judgment has has fallen to the children of Israel uh, because of their unbelief, because of the wickedness of their uh, uh, people and their leaders. God allowed things to happen to them. He allowed them to be conquered by other nations. When, when it all started, they, are, they were the conquerors. They weren't soldiers, but yet they had a, a standing army of over 600,000 men, and they weren't trained to do battle, but God used them to, to, to fight off the enemies. Uh, God used uh, unbelievable things to happen to uh, uh, battles. Uh, for instance, there's one where they're asleep and they're outnumbered 10 to 1. But yet in the morning, all the other soldiers that were going to fight against them, they were dead or they had fled. And that was God. Matter in fact, doing some history, um, when Cheryl was teaching history and uh, she would uh, teach part of what the, the Jewish people would do, uh, this little country, even to this day, God takes care of them. Even though they've turned their back on the Messiah, the Savior, God still takes care of them. And uh, I think that the, the most, the one that always sticks out in my mind is the one where the guy was captured by um, the Assyrians. And while he was there, he noticed their gun emplacements. And they were out in the desert in the gun emplacements. And he says, you know, uh, this is going to be, you know, this is going to be hard on the soldiers out there. You ought to plant some trees so that they'll have shade. And they listened to him. And so they went and they planted these trees on every one of the gun emplacements so that there would be shade for the soldiers that were out there. And uh, this guy uh, escaped and went back to um, uh, the uh, forces in Israel. And he says, I've got to tell you this. When you go out, he says, fire on where you see the trees because that's their gun emplacements. And they did. Uh, Just awesome. Uh, Children of Israel were outnumbered again. And again and again and again, and yet God delivered them. And so God's still in, still in the miracle working business. But uh, getting back to the, what we're going to look at this morning or uh, this evening, uh, Jeremiah, uh, the preacher, uh, he is having a hard time. Jeremiah is called the weeping uh, prophet. And uh, as a matter of fact, it's Jeremiah that got thrown in prison. And he was, he was said, I'm tired of preaching to these people and telling them of the goodness of God and they won't listen to me and they still live in sin and I'm just not going to preach anymore. But he, but he said that the, the word of God was like a fire in his bones and he couldn't, he couldn't withhold it. And so he had to preach. And we go to Lamentations and we're not going to read all of it, uh, but I just want to read a little bit of it. If you look at Lamentations, this is one of the things that Jeremiah wrote. Chapter number one starts off with the desolation of Jerusalem. And he says, how did the city sit solitary that was full of people? How is it that she became as a widow? She that was great among the nations and princes among the provinces. How is she become tributary? She weepeth sore in the night and her tears are on her cheeks. Among all her lovers, she had none to comfort her. All her friends have dealt treacherously with her. They are become her enemies. And then it goes on talking about uh, the desolation of Israel. And then he goes to the next. He, he goes to the next part of it. He has anguish for the city of Jerusalem because it's torn down. 
You go to chapter number two, he talks about the judgment, uh, the, the, the destruction of Israel and how it's judgment. It says, how hath the Lord covered the daughter of Zion with a cloud in his anger and cast down from heaven unto the earth the beauty of Israel and remembered not his footstool in the day of danger. The Lord hath swallowed up the inhabitants of Jacob and hath not pitied. He hath thrown down in his wrath the strongholds of the daughter of Judah. He hath brought them down to the ground. He hath polluted the kingdoms and the princes thereof. He hath cut off in his fierce anger all the horn of Israel. He hath drawn back his right hand from before the enemy, and he hath burned against uh, Jacob like a flaming fire which devoureth round about. He hath bent his bow like the enemy. He stood with his right hands as an adversary and slew all that were pleasant to the eye in the tabernacle of the daughter of Zion. He poured out his fury like fire. And he goes on talking about that. In the third chapter, uh, he, he talks about the, uh, the, the, the he, he was distraught because of all the things that were happening to God's children. And, uh, he says there's, there's, there's no hope. They're destroyed. And, and the conclusion is why were they destroyed? Because they stopped having faith in their God. And they were destroyed. Okay. And so... Uh, some years down the line, we come to Nehemiah, and that's the one that I want to come to. And uh, by the way, this is all introduction. Um, we come to the first chapter, and Nehemiah is taken captive. He's in a, he's in a uh, foreign land. He's in uh, uh, service of a foreign king. Okay? That's what happened. God allowed it to happen. And God... Now, remember, I, I'm prefacing the whole message on because they're God's people, but yet because of their wickedness and because of their lack of faith, God is allowing these things to happen to them. Okay? And you think, well, they're God's chosen people. How can he do that? Well, he can do that because he's God. And because of the lack of faith and because of wickedness in their, in their ranks, he's allowed it to happen. And so the words of Nehemiah, the son of Hekeliah, and it came to pass in month Chislu in the 20th year as I was in Shushan the palace. And by the way, how would you, how would you, can you imagine these people? They were in bondage for at least 70 years again, okay? Uh, some of them never got to see their homeland, okay? Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when we read their cap, part of their captivity, they never were able to go back home. They had to spend the rest of their lives as under the rule of a foreign king instead of under the rule of their God and Savior. Anyway, he says, I was in Shushan, the palace, that Hanani, one of my brethren, came and, he, and certain men of Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews uh, that had escaped, which were left of the captivity and concerning Jerusalem. And they said unto me, the remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. Why? Why were they in affliction and a reproach? Because they had turned their back on their God. Okay. Um, great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down and the gates thereof are burned with fire and it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down, wept, and mourned certain days, and fasted, and prayed before the God of heaven. Now this is what he prayed. 
And I think this is, this, this is the key right here. And I said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. Let thine ear now be attentive and thine eyes open that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant, which I pray before thee now, day and night for the children of Israel, thy servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against thee. Both I and my father's house have sinned. We have dealt very corruptly against thee and have not kept the commandments, nor the statutes, nor the judgments, which thou commands thy servant Moses. Remember, I beseech thee, the word that thou commandest thy servant Moses, saying, If ye transgress, I will scatter you abroad among the nations. But if ye turn unto me and keep my commandments and do them, though there were of you cast out into the uttermost parts of the heaven, yet will I gather them from thence and will bring them into the place that I have chosen to set my name there. Now these are the servants and thy people whom thou hast redeemed by thy great power and by thy stronghold. O Lord, I beseech thee, let now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant and to the prayer of thy servants who desire to, to fear thy name and prosper. I pray thee, thy servant this day, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man, for I was the king's cupbearer. And you can see, as he was praying, he recognized that they were in this terrible distress because... They had turned from their God. Now, what does that have to do with us today? America was founded not in 1776. It was founded before that by the colonists. It was only in 1776 that they declared their independence from Britain. Uh, a nation under God. We say, when we say the Pledge of Allegiance, a nation that was formed to uh, uh, promote the gospel. When you read the Mayflower Compact, those that came over on the Mayflower, their purpose was to uh, uh, present the gospel. It was founded by people who believed the book. Not all were Christians, but many of them were. And they founded a nation that was based upon biblical principles. If you look at the laws that we originally had and compare that to the laws in the Bible, they were pretty much close together. It was a nation under God. But we've changed. Down through the years, we've changed. Little by little, we've thrown God out. We've thrown God out. How many of you remember the day that they declared that uh, uh, the Bible could not be read in the schoolhouse? You remember that? I do. Okay. We no longer put an emphasis on the Word of God, no longer put our emphasis on the uh, uh, foundational truths of the Word of God. Uh, were you aware that the major universities and colleges that, uh, that we have now, that a good number of them were founded on biblical principles? As a matter of fact, Harvard and Yale, um, when it started to train uh, people with them, one of the requirements 
is that they had to study the Bible. That was one of the requirements. It was there to prepare preachers to preach the gospel. It's not that way anymore. Not that way. There was a time in our schools where children were taught from the Bible. Uh, we have, uh, any of you, are you familiar with McGuffey readers? Okay. Uh, some of us that have been in, involved when, in um, uh, Christian schools know that McGuffey readers were some of the very first ones that we had. They were, they were the, the readers that they had in public schools. And when you take a McGuffey reader and read it, it talks about God. It talks about salvation. It talks about all the things that the Word of God tells us. Uh, they've thrown that out. Can't do that anymore. Can't mention God. Okay. Uh, we've become not a na- one nation under God. We've become a nation that has put their country as God. Okay? And so, uh, as we read in Proverbs, it says, Righteousness exalted the nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. And we have so much sin in our nation today that we're a, a reproach. Okay? We're not uh, a nation that's exalted anymore. At one time, we were a nation that was respected and um, one that uh, said, you know, th- this is a Christian nation. We're not, a, uh, one of our presidents said, we're not a Christian nation anymore. Well, he's right. We're not a Christian nation anymore. And we suffer reproach. Psalm eleven seven says, righteousness, uh, the righteous Lord loveth righteousness. His countenance doth behold the upright. Our God looks for righteousness and he doesn't see it in our nation. He doesn't see it in many of our churches and he doesn't see it in many of our lives. And so uh, what are some of the things that we can do to bring about um, the, uh, the return of our nation? And by the way, if we don't do something, we're going to wind up just like Israel. A name but with no power. We're going to be just like Israel. Israel were God people, and God blessed them until they turned their back on him. And America's going to be the exact same way, and we're already beginning to see it. Okay, if, if, you know, if we're hiding our heads in the sand and we're not paying attention, then we don't see it. But if we really look about, we can see that the judgment of God is already beginning to fall on America. Uh, there will come a time if we don't uh, get it turned around, uh, uh, God may allow our country to be overtaken by foreign power. Okay? And it's already started. We already have the seeds already planted. We look at our own legislators. Uh, we have the problem with, uh, you know, they're called socialists. Well, socialism is just one step away from communism. It's just one step away. And uh, it's, it's there. And so uh, uh, we're no longer a righteous nation. There was a time when uh, they did right. There was a time in our history when even unsaved people would, would go to church. Okay? They, they respected a, a preacher. They respected a church. There was a time when churches didn't have to lock their doors and put fences up, put padlocks on, because people had respect for the church. It isn't that way anymore. There was a time when they would take a poll that better than 85% of those that were polled would say they were Christian, even though they, they may not have been born again, but at least they recognized the tenets of Christianity. The last poll they take said that we were down to about 30%. Okay? 
no longer a Christian nation. So what do we, what do we need to do? What, what can we do? Is there anything that we can do? Well, yes, there are some things that we can do. Uh, one thing that we can do is we, we can remember that we're God's heritage. Uh, let's, let's look at just a few passages of Scripture, and I'll just read them. I won't be long tonight, uh, honest. We'll get out by, by at least 8, 9 o'clock. Joshua 1.13, Joshua is told, he says, Remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God hath given you rest and hath given you this land. That's one thing we need to remember. We need to remember that God's the one that gave us this land. God's the one that helped establish this gym, and God's the one that has uh, maintained the United States of America through the years that we've had. He's the one. We need to remember that. We also need to remember God's wrath. In, jo- in Romans 1.18, it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth of unrighteousness. Um, we need to be reminded of that, that uh, uh, you can't sin and get away with it. Okay? A nation cannot sin and get away with it. Uh, there's always a price to pay. Uh, uh, of course, we know it, it says that, you know, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is the eternal life through Jesus Christ. Scripture says, be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever uh, 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 man soweth, that shall he also reap. Well, we're beginning to reap the things that we've sown as a nation. And we need to remember that, that you can't mock God. Even though they try it, they can't mock God and get away with it. And uh, uh, that got to be in our minds, okay? Uh, John 3.16 says this, uh, uh, 3.36, uh, 3.16 tells us that he so loved the world, but in 3.36 he says this, He hath believed on the Son, hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God is upon him. Uh, We need to understand and remember that without salvation, the wrath of God is upon them. And so we need to be about being witnesses like we're supposed to. That's what the Bible tells us to do. We're supposed to be witnesses. And we're witnesses more than just going out and knocking on a door. Okay? Uh, it's more than that. It's, uh, a witness is in everything that we do and everything that we say. We're a witness. You can be a witness to your neighbors just by your lifestyle. What are you like when you're away from church? What am I like when I'm away from church? Um, I, I mentioned the guy that, that uh, uh, got upset because his cart was stolen in, in uh, uh, Home Depot and he had to go and get another cart and he started using all sorts of profanity. Do we as believers, when we leave the church building, do we become like the world and say the things, use the language that the world uses? have the same value that the world has? If we do, that's one of the reasons why our country is going down the pits is because God's people aren't different and we should be. Um, Titus, Pastor, we just finished Titus this morning and uh, uh, Titus says that, you know, the Lord in the third chapter tells that he wants to make a peculiar people. You and I should be peculiar. It means different when people see how we react to things, 
that we react differently. Um, whether or not, you know, we, you know, when we see things happening in our country, how do we react? Okay, and it does, it does anger individuals. It angers me when I see some of the things that are going on that they're trying to put through, and it angers me. But how do I react? Well, I should react in a way that glorifies God. Okay, and so should you. And so uh, we need, but we need to understand that God's wrath is there. And if we don't be a witness to our neighbors, and if God can't use us as salt and light, they won't come to know Christ as Savior, and they won't. Uh, and judgment will be upon them. First Thessalonians five nine says this: For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but uh, uh, but uh, obtain salvation by the Lord Jesus Christ. So we don't need to, to be in the wrath of God, and we need to make sure that we live accordingly. We need to remember God's goodness. Okay, He's so good to us. The children of Israel had forgot about it. They forgot about how He took them out of the land of Egypt, how he walked them across the Red Sea, how he provided food uh, for them in the desert. And uh, um, they went camping for 40 years. Now, I like camping for two or three days. But, the, you know, and my wife, she says she likes glamping. And uh, that's the only way that she'll go. But can you imagine for 40 years camping? But yet God took care of them. He fed them. He supplied their needs. They went 40 years and their clothes didn't wear out and their shoes didn't wear out. Isn't that interesting? Okay. Uh, but they had forgotten God's goodness. God is good. Okay. He likes to bestow upon his people blessings. And we forget that. It says, and the Lord passed by... Uh, 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 in Exodus 34, 6, it says, And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering, and abundant in goodness and truth. Okay? He's not a God that's sitting out there and says, Oh, I'm waiting for Mike to do something wrong so I can zap him. No, he's not like that. Okay? He, he, he wants to give us blessings. But there is requirements for those blessings. Okay. Psalm 27, 13 says, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. God is good. God is good. Uh, Psalm 31, 19. Oh, how great is thy goodness, which thou hast laid up for them that fear thee, which thou hast wrought of them that trust in thee before the sons of men. Uh, you know, he's saying God is God is good. Do we have uh, our Do we have problems? Anybody here have problems? Uh, do we have any kind of stress in our lives? And yes, it's in there. But listen, God is still good. Okay, God is still good. And uh, what's the worst that could happen to us? Well, think about it. What's the worst that could happen to us? There really isn't anything because God's in everything and he's under control. So no matter what happens to us, God is still good. He's still good. We can still praise his name. Uh, Psalm 33, 5, it says, He loveth righteousness and judgment. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. Psalm 107, 8 and 9 says, Oh, that man would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he satisfies the longing soul and filleth the hungry soul 
with goodness. Uh, Psalm 145, 7 says, They shall abundantly utter the memory of thy great goodness and shall sing of thy righteousness. Romans uh, 2, 4 says, uh, Or despise thou the riches and goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? Psalm 34, 8 says, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusts in him. So one of the things we need to remember is we need to remember that God is good and serving him is not a drudgery. It's a blessing. It's a blessing. And if we don't remember that, what happens is we begin to see God as an ogre. And we begin to say, oh, he's, he's terrible. Look what he's letting it happen to me. Look at look all these bad things that are happening. And we fail to see his goodness and it starts us down a path that leads to wickedness. And that's where our nation has gone. We have forgotten that God is good. God is good. We need to remember the commandments. We saw that uh, uh, in the beginning, he says that he will bless those that remember him and that keep his commandments. Numbers 15, 39 says, It shall be unto thee for a friend that thou may look upon it and remember all the commandments of the Lord and do them that they seek not after your own heart and your own eyes, after which ye use to go a-whoring. In other words, the, the Jews had, they had uh, part of their garments, and they had a fringe on the garments, and the fringe was there to remind them how good God was and how they needed to keep God's commandments. The children of Israel had forgotten that. Matter in fact, they when Moses was up on, I can't imagine this, Moses was up on Mount Sinai getting the Ten Commandments from God and the children of Israel were having an orgy. No wonder Moses was a little bit angry with them when he came down. He spent 40 days and 40 nights fasting, waiting on God to give him the Ten Commandments. He goes down to give it to the people and there they are having an orgy, worshiping a Worshipping a golden calf. False worshipping. His brother is the one that put it together. 84-year-old man. And he comes up with this. You know, when Moses says, what is this? And Aaron says, well, they gave me their gold and everything. And I put it in the pot. And out came this calf. Come on. They had forgotten the goodness of God and all the goodness that had taken place. And they had forgotten the commandments. Joshua 1, 7, it says, Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law, which Moses, my servant, commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, and thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. We've gotten away from the word of God and his commandments. We've gotten away from them. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, the ones that, uh, uh, that are... are um, uh, you know, uh, doing the law and having to do in the law. I'm just talking about the commandments of, that, that God has given us. And by the way, if we trust, if we only trust him and we're trusting what he says, we will keep those laws and they won't be a problem to us. They won't be a burden to us. 
If we love God with all of our hearts, our mind, and our souls, we will love our neighbors, and we will do what's right. So we need to remember those things. Uh, we need to repent, okay? Um, in Revelation, the second chapter, uh, as uh, the churches were given the various um, things, this is what was said uh, when I was talking to one of the churches. Uh, it says, nevertheless, the very first one, it says, I have somewhat against you. He'd gone through and, and he says, okay, these are the good things that you have, but I've got something against you. He says, because thou hast left thy first love, remember therefore from whence thou art fallen and repent and do the first works or else I will come unto thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick out of his place except thou repent. I believe that there are churches today that are closing their doors because they've left their first love. They've loved self. They've loved prestige. They've loved the world, but they left their first love, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And I think that uh, God takes their candlestick out and removes them. And it's happening all over the place. And he says, except you repent. Nehemiah, when he sat down and prayed, he talks about those things, and he wept, and he mourned, and he fasted, and he prayed before God. And uh, part of the prayer was to repent. What does it mean to repent? Well, I'm sorry. I got caught one day stealing some cookies. I got caught, and boy, did I get a good whooping. It was from my mother, too, and she wasn't really much of but man, she took a broom to me and laid into me real good. And uh, I'm sorry. But the only thing that I was sorry about is I got caught. I love the cookies. I'm sorry. And a lot of times that's how it is. We're sorry. But we're not sorry that we disobeyed God. We're not sorry that it, it was an offense to the Lord. We're not sorry that it's a poor testimony. We're sorry we got caught. Repentance isn't being sorry. Repentance is I have done wrong. I have sinned. Uh, David talks about it when he says, I, against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this wickedness in thy sight. Okay? We need to understand that when we do sin, it's not necessarily against each other, but it's against God. And that's what has happened to, to, to uh, Christians and churches in, in America. We have sinned against God, and instead of repenting from that sin, we say, oh, well, we're sorry. Instead of having a heartfelt Repentance, where we said, oh God, we have sinned against you. We have grieved you. And I want to turn from that. It's, having, it's going in one direction and we say, oh, I'm going in the wrong direction. And we do an about face and go in the right direction. What's wrong with America today is they're going in the wrong direction. And as America needs to repent, they need to turn around and go back the other way. And uh, as believers, we've got to be in our churches, in our church. We have to see that need. And uh, uh, as the churches go, so the nation will go. Luke uh, 13, 3 says, I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. If our country does not repent, our country will perish. It will go into judgment 
and it will perish. Proverbs uh, 29, 1, this is an interesting one. He that being often reproved and hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed and that without remedy. God is a long-suffering God and he puts up with a lot and he gives people opportunity over and over again to repent and to change. But there comes a time when there's a line that is crossed where they harden their hearts and they won't get it right and then God says, okay, they will be destroyed and there's no remedy for it. And I believe that if our nation keeps on going the way we're going, that that's what's going to happen. We're going to cross the line. God has still been good to us, and he's still being good to us. Even though we can see some things that are, that are happening, we can see the wrath of God being pour, beginning to be poured out upon us, and we can see these things, there's still a place for repentance. There's still a place for us to get it right and turn it around. There's still a place for that. But there will come a time when it will be too late. There will come a time. And as believers, we have a responsibility to be faithful to the Word of God. As Pastor was mentioning this morning, you know, we can't give up. We can't stop. We say, well, everything is going, you know, we're going to hell in a handbag. I might as well just shut up. No, we keep, we keep out. We keep giving the Word out. We keep living for God. We keep uh, sin on short order. Uh, we keep repenting ourselves and getting right with God. We still keep begging for revival and uh, um, seeing what, what God can do because uh, being often reproved, if they harden their necks, they'll be destroyed suddenly. I think a, a key verse, and we'll get back to it, is, is 2 Chronicles 7.14, which was very good. It was when Solomon and uh, uh, when Solomon's temple was finally being dedicated and everything. This is what happened during that time. And God says this, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and heal their land. Notice this is my people, which are called by my name. Not talking about the heathen, but my people. And so the, the change of our nation, where does it where does the responsibility rest? It rests with you and me. It rests with all believers. If we do what we're supposed to do, we can turn this around. But if we don't do, we say, well, I just give up. I'm not going to, you know, I'm just going to keep quiet. I'm just going to sit by and wait for the Lord to come back. Well, then our nation will go into judgment. Um, the third thing we need to do, we not only remember, not only to, to uh, 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 repent, but we need to seek righteousness. Psalm, eight, uh, Psalm 5, 8 says, Lead me, O Lord, in thy righteousness because of mine enemies. Make thy way straight before my face. Proverbs fifteen nine says, The way of the wicked is an abomination unto the Lord, but he loveth him that followeth after righteousness. Proverbs 16, 8 says, Better is a little with righteousness than great revenues without right. Proverbs 16, 12 says, It is an abomination to kings to commit wickedness, for the throne is established by righteousness. I wonder how many times somebody has told those in leadership that verse. Because that's, 
you know, that's our responsibility to tell them. It's our responsibility to raise our voices and say, what you're doing is wrong. They may not hear. They didn't. Israel they had its prophets. And they came and said, this is what's going to happen if you don't get right. They preached. Jeremiah preached. He got thrown in jail, got thrown in a pit. That's why he said, I, 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 I quit. But he couldn't. He says, I got to keep preaching. Okay? But we have the responsibility to lift up our voices and make known the things of God. We need to seek righteousness. Isaiah 32, 17 says, The work of righteousness shall be peace, and the effect of righteousness, quietness and assurance forever. Okay? That's the effect of righteousness. Uh, uh, Matthew 5, 6 says, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. That's it. We, we need to have a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. And when we have a hunger and a thirst for righteousness, then we're, fi- we're filled. And I'm afraid that there are many, many Christians today that no longer have a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. It's evident even in our attendances that there are folks that do not have a hunger and a thirst for righteousness or they'd be here. Can you say amen? Now you have that. But others, others don't. And there's other churches the same way. Okay, they don't have a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. Otherwise, they would turn out and they would do something. Okay. Uh, so he says, blessed are, those, are happy are those. 6.33 says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Uh, again, looking at the goodness of God, we need to understand that the things that we need in this life come from God but we need to seek him first, and then he will give us what we need. Okay? Sometimes he will even give us what we want, but he definitely will give us what we need. We're, we're told that our God will supply our every need. We're told that, and as Pastor said this morning, God does not lie. Okay? He does not lie. He will give us what we need. Okay? Romans 14, 17 says, For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. So we need to seek righteousness and uh, being right with God. Uh, It's better to be right with God and have nothing than to have the riches of this world and not be right with God. And we need to be right with God. And then we need to plead for revival. What is revival? Well, revival, just exactly what it means. It's we're reviving. It's getting our hearts back right with the Lord. Psalm 85, 6, he says, Wilt thou revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? What happens when we have a revival here? I mean, when God really works through the preaching and works on our heart, is there joy? Yes, there's great joy. Praise the Lord. I got some things off my, off my chest. Got things right with God. All is right with the world. Praise the Lord. And it's something that we need to constantly do. It's not a one-time, it's not a one-time event. It's a thing that has to be done periodically because we forget. Isaiah 57, 15 says, For thus saith the high and lofty one, that's talking about God, that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy, I will dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. What our country needs today is we need, we need a countrywide revival and it starts with me and it starts with you. 
And it starts with everyone who names the name of Christ. And every church that preaches the word of God, it starts with us. We need a revival. When we get revived, then we start doing what God tells us to do. And it has an effect. And it can change um, uh, the, 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 the temperature of our country. Habakkuk 3 says, O Lord, I have heard thy speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make known in wrath, remember mercy. He's praying for revival. Psalm 57, 17, he says, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, that will not despise. That's what God's looking for is his people having a broken heart. Okay. Um, I already read Isaiah 57, uh, 15, but Isaiah 66, 2 says, For all these things hath mine hand made, and all these things have been, saith the Lord. But to this man will I look, even to him that is poor and have a contrite spirit and trembleth at my word. God says, I'm looking for the one that has a contrite spirit. I'm looking for the ones that are willing to, to kneel and say, God, we're not what we should be. And please revive us, forgive us, help us to be strong, help us to be light and salt. He says, those are the ones that I'm looking for. Well, in conclusion, I only have 14 more points. So hang on. Uh, in conclusion, let's get back to Second Chronicles 7.14. I think the key was, was really good. My people call by my name. We're his people. We're called by his name. If we will humble ourselves, humble ourselves. Humility um, is something that we lack. Uh, most of the time we want to pat ourselves on the back saying, hey, what, you know, I'm doing a wonderful good job. I'm, I'm doing what I'm supposed to. Humility is saying, oh, I'm not what I should be. I'm not what I could be. I need, I need a change in my heart. I need reviving. That's what humbleness is. It says, if they'll humble themselves, it actually means bend the knee, bringing into subjection. We don't like the word suggestion because I'm my own man and I'm gonna, I, can, I can do whatever I want to. I'm not going to be submitted to anybody. Well, we better be, I better be submitted to God because he, he's the one that holds everything in his hand. And that's what humbleness means. Bringing into subjection, subjection, and he says, humble uh, and uh, and pray. That's making supplication and seek my face. Okay, that's to search out by any method, specifically in worship and in prayer, to seek him out. Turn from the wicked ways. That means to repent, change our direction, come back to home. It says, when those things take place, God will hear. He will forgive and he will heal the land. And the question is, is, does our land need healing? And I say, yes, it does. Because we've, we're, we're, we've gone and are going the way that Israel went. And although they're still God's people... They've, they've been ridiculed, they've been uh, persecuted, and that's going to happen. But they've been persecuted for the wrong reasons. Not because of their godliness, not because of their holiness, not because of their holding on to uh, the, the God of their salvation. 
and we may be persecuted. It may be as a result of God's judgment upon America because it may come, we may have already crossed the line. But we don't stop serving him. We don't stop humbling ourselves before him. We don't stop praying for revival. We don't stop telling people about the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't stop being light and salt. We keep keep on going and we keep on going and keep on going until there's no more breath in us and God takes us home either through the, the, the veil of death or the return of Jesus Christ. We keep on and we keep on and we keep on. And that's what we need as a nation. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. And Lord, we are your people. You've redeemed us with your blood. You've made, Heavenly Father, us to be peculiar people. And we need to be. And Heavenly Father, our nation has, has gone on a slippery slope and it may be too late for the it may be too late but on the other hand it may not be because you've promised that if we will do what we're supposed to if we will pray and seek your face and turn from our wickedness and keep things right and keep on preaching that perhaps we can stay the judgment for another day but heavenly father whatever the outcome is help us to always be faithful Help us to always, Heavenly Father, to uh, keep ourselves pure and keep ourselves clean. Help us to be that peculiar people. When people see us, they'll say they're, they're Christians. They act like, they talk like, they dress like, they behave like what they say they are. Help us to be that light, that testimony in this wicked, wicked world. We'll be careful to give you praise for it in Jesus' name.